We are continuing along in our mini-series, Seven Scriptures Every Christian Needs to Know. We have covered four different passages in the last few weeks, and today we are on number five. We will be in Psalm 51 this morning. Psalm 51, verse 17. Let's pray, and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you today, and we thank you for your good word. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. God, that that we would all hear what you want us to hear, and I pray, God, that there would be something in what we see in your word today that will help us to draw closer to you, to trust you, dear Lord. And God, I pray that you just hide me behind the cross. I pray that you clear all of our minds of the distractions and the worries of the world. I pray that you take away any nerves I have and just help us to pay attention, dear Lord, and to focus on you in these few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Psalm 51, verse 17, says, The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humbled spirit heart. Now, this passage is is a powerful passage and one that definitely I can relate to and I would venture to say that you guys can too. There was a couple of passages I was I was bouncing back and forth, but they're both very similar. And uh, one of those passages is Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It gets an honorable mention. It didn't make the 7 uh, that we're going to talk about. But we are going to talk about it today because it's very similar in some sense as to what we're, what we're looking at in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is, 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 is an individual account, a more personal experience of David, where in Micah chapter 6, it's, it's more of a collective account of what's been going on in Israel and Judah. But I chose Psalm 51, 17 because it does speak of an individual. It speaks of a personal experience. Now, when we look at these psalms, and we've looked at a lot through the years, but some psalms have a superscription, a little title before it starts that tells what is going on when the writer is writing the psalm. Now, in this case, this is a psalm of David, and this superscription is one that helps us to know exactly what was going on in David's life. At the beginning of Psalm 51, it tells us that David wrote this after the time that he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Some of you may know the story, but I'll give you a quick recap if you're not familiar with it. David was a a king of of Israel that God had put into place, and he was a pretty godly man, and, and he had really lived a pretty godly life for the most part. But one day he saw this lady bathing on the roof, and he sent for her, and next thing you know, she was pregnant. Now, I skipped a lot of details there, but... You can fill in the blanks. Uh, David had committed adultery with this woman, and, and the problem was even worse. She was a married woman. And David, being the king, wanted to cover up his sin, and not just because he was king, because he was a human, as you and I probably desire to cover up our sins as best we can. But he found out, as probably you and I have already found out in our life, that when you try to cover up one sin with another, it just spirals out of control. He tried everything he could to get her husband to come back home and brought him from the battlefield where he was fighting and tried his best to get him to go home and to sleep with his wife, but the man would not do it. 
He was a faithful, obedient soldier and said, nope. I'm not going to do it. My, my, my friends are out there fighting, and I'm not going to come here and live the good life while my friends are in battle. And he would not go home to his wife. And David was in big trouble because the, the clock was ticking. Nine months maximum is how long he had to figure out what he was going to do, and he didn't really have that long. He needed to figure out something quick. And so David... Trying to cover up one sin, he, he sent word back to one of the commanders of the, of the army that was fighting against the enemy, and he said, I want you to put Bathsheba's wife, his name was Uriah, I want you to put him right on the front line of the fiercest battles that you go into. Now what happens to those who go in first to the most fiercest battles? They lose their life more times than not. And David knew this, and David sent Uriah to the front lines, and what he desired occurred. Uriah was killed, and word came back to David, and David probably breathed a sigh of relief. Now he could quickly marry Bathsheba, and by the time she has the child, nobody probably will know the difference. Oh, except for God. David may not have been thinking about God, but God knew what was going on, and he sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to tell a story to David to help David realize the sin that he committed, a beautiful story. We won't go into it today for time's sake, but go back and look that up when Nathan, when Nathan came to David and is able to get David's attention. And, and David knew the error of his ways, and that child died, and David had to, had to really mourn that, mourn his sin and mourn the consequences of that sin. And the bloodshed. David is the one who is guilty of Uriah's death. Maybe somebody else shot him with an arrow or stabbed him with a sword, whatever it was, the way by which Uriah died, but it was David who murdered Uriah. The blood was on David's hands. Now David was a one who committed adultery and now was one who was guilty of murder and God had called David out on it. And David realized it. And that's what we see here in Psalm 51. David mourning what he has done. He knows what he has done. He knows what he has done is so bad that there is nothing he can do to make it up to the Lord. He realizes just how great his sin is. And he says in the verse before, he says in verse uh, 16, You do not want to sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. David says there is no sacrifice that I could possibly give to, to, to atone for the sin that I have committed. There is nothing I can do, dear Lord. You are not pleased with a sacrifice. Now let's step out for just a moment from the topic of discussion because I believe it's important for us to realize when we talk about sacrifice what we are talking about in the Bible. The reason David speaking of sacrifice here is because that's what God required of his people. Now sin had entered the world through Adam and because sin had entered into the world, death had entered into the world and the book of Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Death is the punishment for our sin. But when God established his people Israel and brought them out of Egypt, 
he began to share with them his commands, his law. And we may be more familiar with the Ten Commandments, but there were lots of commands and instructions that God gave his people in the Old Testament. And, and part of the commands that God commanded his people were to offer offerings. Now, these offerings were to atone for their sins. Now, we see that in Leviticus uh, chapter 17, verse 11, when it talks about the blood used to atone for sins. And it says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives since it is the lifeblood that makes the atonement. So what's the connection that we see here? Well, it's a connection that's important that we don't want to miss. When we talk about blood, it is associated with life. With blood, there is life. Now, the wages of sin is death, but the only way to atone for sin is for death to occur. God doesn't want us to live in death, he wants us to have life, and life is in the blood. So God says, offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and the life in the blood will give you life. It will atone for your sins. It will cover up the sins which you deserve to die for, but because the sacrifice of blood is made, you will be atoned for. The lifeblood makes atonement. And so we see the need for sacrifices. Our sin leads to death. Well, what's the solution for death? Well, only life can overcome death. And so the blood, the life that was shed, and these animals that were offered as sacrifices was what God called the people to. We see the same type of language in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. At the end of the verse, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Life is in the blood. And so when we talk about offerings here, when David is talking about offerings here, he's talking about these offerings that God had commanded the people to do. And these were important because they atoned for the people's sin. But David had sinned greatly. And he realized and recognized something that you and I need to recognize. David says in verse 17, the sacrifice pleasing to God, now he says, look, you don't want burnt offerings. That's not really what you want, dear Lord. What you really want, God, the sacrifice that is pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humbled heart. David was in the right spot. David was in the spot that you and I need to be in. David recognized the weight of his sin. He knew that he had sinned greatly. And he said, God, what you really want is a broken spirit and a humble heart. There is no forgiveness of sin if we do not have a broken spirit and a humble heart. Why do we have to have a broken spirit and a humble heart? Because a broken spirit and a humble heart is what leads us to repentance. It's what leads us to say, God, I am a wretched sinner. And David knew it. David knew there was nothing he could offer to God. 
that it would only be by the grace of God that he could be forgiven. And he humbled himself before God with a broken spirit because what else could he do? There was no offering that would be good enough. There's nothing good enough that David could do to earn God's favor or to please God. And I want to tell you today that there is nothing that you and I can do to earn God's favor and to please God. Have you ever sinned greatly? I'm talking about I'm talking about really blew it. I'm talking about you did something and it was bad. Maybe as bad as what David did, maybe even worse. Man, we do bad stuff and we sin. And sometimes there may be that temptation or that there may be that thought that comes to mind, I have done this bad thing. I better do something really good. I better do something really good to get back on God's good side. I have done something really bad. I better do something that is pleasing to God. And so we begin to do things that are pleasing to God. Well, what are the things that we may do? Oh, I know. I've, I've been really bad. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put more in the offering plate. I'm going to stop by that homeless person. And I'm going to give him... No, no, I'm going to give him a $100 bill because I've really messed up and I've really been bad and I, I better do good things because that's what's pleasing to God. Now, we may think those things in our mind. We may sin really greatly and we say, oh, I better help out with a project at church. I, I better do more of this and more of that. But that's not what David said. David said, there is nothing I can do, God. I am a wretched sinner. God, what you really want, what is really pleasing to you, is not what I can offer you, but God, that I come to you, that I am broken, that I am humble, that I say, God, I need you. God, I have blew it this time. We see a similar thing in Micah chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. Micah, this is a good, good book to read, by the way, if you've never read it. It's short. You can read it really quickly. To sum it up, God's people had sinned greatly as a whole, Judah and Israel. And, uh, and, and Micah is prophesying to them because of their sinfulness. And uh, we see very similar language in Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 says, what should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow before God on high? Should I come before Him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the child of my body for my own sin? Mankind, He has told you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Now, similar language here before we continue. What are the people going to offer? They have sinned greatly. They have turned on God. They're not listening to God. They're disobedient to God. Are they going to offer him a thousand rams? Are they going to offer him all these sacrifices? Micah says, no, this is what the Lord uh, requires of you. He has told you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you. Now listen to this. To act justly, justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly before the Lord. Not so different from what we see in Psalm 51. What God really wants of His people are for His people to humble themselves 
before him. Now, sacrifice still has to occur. We see that uh, in Scripture. It's pretty clear. Sacrifice must occur. But what God wants of you and I is for us to humble ourselves before him. God wants us to be humble before him and broken over our sin. Yes, there is sacrifice that has to occur, but there is no sacrifice that you and I can give to God that is sufficient to cover our sins. There is no sacrifice that you and I can offer. But there has been a sacrifice that has been offered that is sufficient to cover our sins. That sacrifice comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Now we see in the Old Testament that mention of blood, that blood atones for sin. There is life where? In the blood. We are living in sin and the wages of sin and death, but the only way to overcome death is by life. And so when we talk about sacrifice and offering in the Old Testament, it is pointing us forward. It is pointing us to Jesus Christ. The blood of goats and bulls was not sufficient to atone for sins and bring eternal life. It could atone for sins for a little while, but we would sin again. And so God needed to provide a better atonement, a better a sacrifice that would lead to eternal life and eternal forgiveness. And so we come together, those who are in Christ, and we talk about what? There's power, power, power in the blood. We talk about that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now that's crazy stuff, right? People off the street that don't know anything about God's Word, if they come in here and hear us singing about the blood, they're going to think we're a bunch of crazy folks. But when we talk about blood in Scripture, we are talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. Not that we are physically covered in the sense, but we are spiritually covered. There is life in the blood. In whose blood? In the blood of Jesus Christ. Life that atones for sin. Their wages of sin is death, but life is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the sacrifice is required, but it's a sacrifice that you and I cannot offer. We cannot get on God's good side by anything that we do. We cannot do anything pleasing to God, but Jesus Christ has done what is pleasing to God. He has given his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we may be forgiven, so that we may have atonement, so that we may have eternal life. And how do we receive that life? It is through the blood of Jesus Christ because life is in the blood and there is no forgiveness of sins apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at Scripture as a whole, when we see the whole story unfolded for us, when we see what God desires and what God requires, but that it's only able to be fulfilled through Jesus, we are in the same spot as David in our life. We sin. We are all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. But what do we do when we sin? Do we try to earn God's favor with our actions? by the things we do, it's not going to work. God sees all that. God doesn't care how good you are, because you're not good, apart from Jesus Christ. 
God is not impressed by you. Maybe you didn't know that. Praise the Lord you're here this morning. God is not impressed by what we do. God is not impressed by this building. God is not impressed by how much money we have in the bank account. God is not impressed by how much you put into the offering plate. God is not impressed by how, how much scripture you know if you just say it and just say it to say it. God is not impressed by how well you are dressed. God is not impressed if you are a Sunday school preacher. He is not impressed if you are a preacher. God is not impressed by anything we do. Because God looks past all that. He looks past the brick and the stone and the glass and the metal and the wood that make this building. He looks past our bank account and the money that's in that plate. God looks past your title, whatever your title is, the chairman of this or the teacher of that or the pastor. God looks past our titles. He looks past how we are dressed. He looks past all these things. And you know where he looks? Right smack dab in the middle of your heart. That's what God cares about. And that's why when David says what God wants is a broken spirit, in a humble heart, we need to recognize that. Because we are all sinners. And we don't please God by what we do. We don't impress God by what we do, what we have, what we give, or how we look. Because God looks past all of those things. And so what are we left with? We are left with our sin. And nothing we can do to atone for that sin. But praise the Lord, the story does not stop there. Praise the Lord, that's not the end of it. Praise the Lord that we have a God who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so that we may be forgiven. So what do we do when we realize we are sinners? We do nothing but humble ourselves before God and say, God, I have sinned and there is nothing I can do. There is no amount of offering I can do. There's nothing I can do in my life. There's no way I can live. There's no amount of times that I can go to church that can atone for my sin. God, I am a wretched sinner. God, I have done things that are unspeakable. God, I have done things that I am ashamed of. God, I have done things that make me unworthy of your love and unworthy of your grace and unworthy of forgiveness. But God, I come to you because there is no one else I can come to. And God, I come to you boldly as a sinner and say, God, would you forgive me of my sin? Because there is nowhere else I can go. And that is the heart of David when he spoke these words. And that is the heart you and I need to have. Not a heart that seeks to impress God, but a heart that seeks to humble ourselves before God. You know, sometimes we may say this or we may hear this and talk about dressing up for church, especially Easter. Got to dress up really good for Easter. We talk about our Sunday clothes, right? Don't want to get out and do anything after church because we got our Sunday clothes on. We got to change not into our Sunday clothes. We talk about our Sunday best. We want to wear our Sunday best. But if you really want to wear your Sunday best to church, I'm going to tell you what to wear. 
If you want to wear your Sunday best to church, you come clothed in humility. And that's your Sunday best. And we need to wear our Sunday best every day of the week. God doesn't care about what's on the outside. He cares about right here, what's in our heart. When you come to church every time the doors are open or when you read God's Word or when you sin, whatever it may be, whatever you do, anytime we come before the Lord, we need to come before the Lord clothed in humility. And when we seek God in humility, we will find Him. When we seek God in humility, we will feel His presence. Why? Because we are trusting in His power and not our own. Because we are trusting in what Jesus did and not in what we can do. And so we need to come humbly before the Lord. We see that story in the New Testament that talks about the religious man. and Boy, he goes and he prays before the Lord and he stands tall and proud and he stands and talks about how good he is and thanks God that he is not like all those other people. God, I am so good. I am so righteous. Look at me. I'm better than everybody else. God didn't hear that prayer. God don't care nothing about that prayer. God's not impressed by the list of things that this guy can rattle off. But there was another there. And he came before God and he couldn't even lift his face. And he said, oh God, I'm a sinner. He come before God like David came before God. With a broken spirit and a humble heart. Now, who do you think we need to be like? If you don't know, we need to be like the one who humbled himself before God. Who didn't come before God, didn't come to church thinking he was all that and then thump, some, but came before God saying, God, I don't even deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't even deserve for you to look at me and I don't deserve to look at you. But God, I come before you with a broken spirit and a humble heart. Now, I want to ask you today, how do you come before God? How do you come into this church every week? Do you come with a proud heart trying to impress God? God's not impressed. Nothing you can give to God that He can't do. He created the whole world, by the way. He spoke everything into existence. Now what in the world could you possibly do to impress a God that can speak and there can be light, that can speak and there can be a universe? What in the world can you give to God that will impress Him? What can you give to God that will atone for your sins? There is nothing you can give to God that He doesn't already have. Except for one thing. There is one thing that only you can give to God that He does not already have. And that's your heart. You have to make that decision. Nothing else you can do. Nothing else you can give to Him. Nothing else you can impress Him with. There's only one thing you can give to God that He can't get without you giving it to Him.
and that's your heart. I hope this morning that if you've come here with a proud heart, with a heart that seeks to impress God, I hope that you'll humble yourself before Him today. Maybe you come here today humble before the Lord. Praise God if you did. Maybe you come here today and you've given God your heart. That's what God really wants. He wants us to come to Him and just be obedient to Him. God says, I'll take care of everything else. He has taken care of everything else in Jesus Christ. He knew the old sacrifice wasn't going to be sufficient. He says, I'm going to provide the sacrifice. You can't provide it. I'm going to provide the sacrifice. You just come to me with all of your heart, and I will forgive you. You be my people, and let me be your God. Some of you have come today, and you've given God your heart. Praise the Lord. But maybe there are some of you sitting out there this morning, and you haven't given God your heart. Maybe you've been trying to give him all kind of other stuff. He don't want the other stuff. He don't care about the other stuff. He's not impressed with the other stuff. What he really wants is your heart. David realized that. And I hope you realize that too. Remember this psalm. It's a good psalm. Because we sin. We sin a lot. And we sin in horrible ways just as David did. But let us remember the words of David in Psalm 51, 17. Let us read them together. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. Let us remember those words today. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for these words. We thank you for the, the example that, that David gives to us. An example we can relate to because, God, we are full of sin in our life. But, God, I pray that we follow David's example, that we are not overcome by sin. But, God, that we seek you in the midst of our sins, knowing that we are unworthy. But, God, we come to you because you love us, because you want us to. God, I pray that if there are any in this room that have never humbled their self, before you that has not received the life that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would realize today that there's no sacrifice we can give, but that we would trust in the sacrifice that only Jesus Christ has given. It's the only sacrifice that can cover us, God. If there's one in this room that has not humbled their heart before you, I pray that they would. God, maybe there are some in this room and they are already yours. Maybe they've fallen into the trap, as it's easy to do, dear Lord, to try to impress you, to try to earn your grace and to earn your favor. But God, you're not impressed by us, and we can't earn anything from you, dear Lord. So we come before you boldly and humbly and help us to do that, dear Lord, to not be proud, to not try to do outward things and materialistic things, God, to earn your favor, but to know that you look at our heart. So help us to look at our heart today, God. If our heart is not humble before you, I pray that you break our spirit and you humble our heart. And God, I thank you for these good words, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.